0: So we're finishing up this, this series called um, Moving Day. We've, we've taken three, this is the third week. So um, let's just do this. Let's recap if we can real quick. If, they're, if you're here for the very first time, here's what we've learned so far. Um, first, The first week, we, we learned this. People like to settle, right? Just out of curiosity, how many of you would say, I know you're going to feel bad because I'm going to say you shouldn't, but how many of you like to settle? I mean, just you go home at night, Pajama pants, you're on the couch, you don't want anybody to call you. When the phone rings, you're like, who is calling us right now? Who, I mean, you're, okay, yes, I'm, I'm in good company. That's kind of me too. Um, we like to settle, right? And so God understands that the more that we're in a place, the more that we tend to settle. And so what he wants to do is he, he uses moving to keep us from settling. That's what we learned that first week. Um, last week, we asked this question. If we're on the move, what does life on the move look like? Right? What does it look like if we're on the move? And so we, we, we learned that it looks like this. A life on the move is a life given in service to God and to others. Um, I hope that you'll never forget having your feet washed. I know that I'll never forget the smell. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I hope you never forget that. I hope, that, I hope it impacts you. It's, it's funny. I, I put a picture on Facebook about what happened last week. And one, one comment on that picture was from a young girl that Wendy and I had in our very first youth group. And her comment was, I remember when you left our youth group that that was how you left us. That was the last service that you did. I've never forgotten it. That was, God, like two decades ago. You know, this is, that's a moment, right? I want you to get that. Life on the move is really just, it's life following after God. It's life sensing, hey, where's the cloud going and how can I follow? It? But it's always a life given in service. It's a life that's messy. Because you're taking good news to people that are in messy situations. How many of you know people in messy situations? And the life on the move is God moving you to those people. The, the biggest thing I took away from last week is this. That God moves us to places in order to get us to people. And that's important for us this morning. He's not moving us here. And he's not ultimately going to move us to Kimbrels, right? He's moving us to people. So in the last week of the series, on the first week in this place, I want to... Um, Ask a question that has been asked for ages by children of all ages to parents that wish they had a better answer. There are four words, and every parent's head drops when they hear these words. And I've got some friends from the movie Shrek to show us what they are. All right, so all the parents in the room are like, yep, I've been there, Uh uh-huh, been there. Um, So, I I think there's three reasons why kids ask the question, are we there yet? You've got note sheets, okay? You're going to have these these blanks to fill in. Um, Today's message is called, are we there yet? Here's the three reasons why kids ask that. And I'm not just comparing you to kids, okay? So, don't get offended, although we are God's children, right? I think there's three reasons why kids ask the question, are we there yet? I think they're the same three reasons why believers ask, are we there yet? Here's number one. We're excited about the destination, okay? Kids get in the car. You're going on a family trip to Disney World. They're excited about going to Disney World. So as soon as you pull out the driveway, they're asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? They're really excited about it. They ask all the time, every five minutes, because they're excited about the destination. But we can't be excited about the destination if we don't know what the destination is, right? Um, I was thinking about this. On this planet, we think that there's something on this planet. If I find a certain place, if I I get to a certain place, then I'm going to, that's my destination. Let me give you some examples. Don't say, don't nod your head if if you thought these. If I can just find the right job, if I can find the right person, if I can leave the wrong person to find the right person, if I can find the right church, if I can find a better house, then I'll be whatever, fill in the blank, right? We think all, all those as destinations. And before we, we, you know, I don't want to go like, well, I'm the pastor, I'm holier than you. Here's what churches do. Churches do the same thing. Church, I'm around pastors all the time. Churches do this. Well, if we can just have enough people come, whatever that X number is, I want to have X number of people come to my church. I want to have X amount of dollars in the offering. If we can ever reach that point, then then we've arrived. I've been a part of churches that did building campaigns, and when they got into their new building, you could just tell they were like, man, we've arrived. None of those are the destinations. Hebrews 13, 14, this is where I told you to turn. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, for here we do not have an enduring city. But we are looking for the city that is to come. You know what that means is this. Nothing on this planet can be what we're traveling to. Nothing on this planet can be what we're traveling to. So what's the destination? Last week I said it earlier. We said this. God leads us to places in order to get us to people. So I want, I want your turn just a couple books over to Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. I want to read to you. This is the destination This is where we are ultimately traveling to, okay? Not Kimbrels. This is where we're ultimately gonna travel to. Revelation chapter five, verses nine and 10, it says, and they, they being the 24 elders, and they sang a new song. And here's what they sang. You, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you, Jesus, were slain. With your blood, Jesus, you, Jesus, purchased men for God from every tribe and language And people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is the destination that we're traveling to. This is the people that we're traveling to. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. People that Jesus purchased. So here's why that's important. Jesus didn't purchase white middle-class Americans With his blood. He purchased what we just read. People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language. That's the destination. If God's leading us to places in order to get us to people, that's the picture of the people that he's leading us to. And I want you to see this. It's not God's plan B. That's been God's plan from the beginning. So we're in Revelation. Flip all the way back to Genesis. I'm going to make you work a lot today. I've got lots of verses for you to flip to and read. Genesis chapter 12, all the way back at the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, God has a conversation with a man named Abram. Um, If you um, have done any kind of theological study, then what we're going to read is the Abrahamic covenant. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a picture of what God wants to do throughout the rest of the Bible, right? So what we're getting ready to read is huge for us. This is a picture. We read the end of the destination. This is where it all got started right here. And here's what he says to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And here's the covenant he makes with him. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And look, that is like the American verse, right? Isn't it? Are you there? (laughs) That's the American verse. We are a great nation. We are blessed. Our name is great. We will be a blessing. But then he goes on. No, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I will curse whoever curse you. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. So who's getting blessed through um, Abraham? Everybody. Everybody. All people. All peoples. The word for peoples there, guess what it matches up to? Same word. I know one's Hebrew and one's Greek. Same word back in Revelation. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. This is, this is God's plan from the beginning. Is that he would have people who don't look like each other that look like Jesus. That's his plan. And that's where we're traveling to. That's the destination. Matthew 6.10. part of the Lord's Prayer. When he, hey, how do we pray? And so they... He was teaching his disciples how to pray, Matthew 6.10. It's funny, in today's culture, the, the phrase here as in heaven, people probably figure that Stephen Furtick thought of it, but it's actually in the Bible before it was on Elevation's CD. Matthew 6.10. Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so here's, here's the question before we move forward, Okay. Because the kids are excited about the destination. So they're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Here's what the church should be excited about today. The church should be excited about a beautiful mosaic of people in one place with one voice worshiping one God. That's the destination. And, And so what does Matthew say to us? Jesus teaches us this. Look, if we know from Revelation that at the end... Every nation is going to be represented worshiping Jesus. And we know if we go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 12, that that was God's plan from the very beginning. His plan was never just to save Wendy. It was to save Wendy as a part of a greater body. If we know that's where his plan was there and we know that's how it's going to end, then Matthew 6 tells us what we're supposed to be doing while we're living on this planet. And what are we supposed to be doing? Gathering in church and having a really nice service just for people like me. No. We're supposed to be bringing His will on earth, on heaven, down to earth. So the destination for us that we should be excited about is that wherever we're headed, if it's in this place, it started in a coffee shop. It was in another place. Now it's in here. Eventually, being Kimbrell's. But man, the, the idea is that the people that gather in this place look like Revelation chapter five. Look around the room. Go ahead. It's okay. Look around the room. How are we doing? Big words, right? Multi-ethnic, multi-generational. We're good on the multi-generational. We're getting there on the multi-ethnic. I'm not sure that every tribe is represented in this place. I'm not sure that every tribe from Albemarle is represented in this place. But that's the destination. I, as a pastor, I'm not lie to you. I find myself saying to God a lot, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because I so desperately want that. I'm so excited about that destination. Here's the second reason why kids say are we there yet? And you already know the answer to this if you're a parent. They're tired of the journey. Right? They're just tired of the journey. Um, How many of you have been on road trips? How long does it take for the excitement to wear off and become frustration? The driveway? Into the driveway? Is that how it works? Yeah? (laughs) So the family, it's crazy, on road trips, the family that you'll be playing with at the end is the family that you're trying hard not to kill on the way, right? That's how family road trips work. Um, I mean, and it's so funny. It doesn't have to be a long trip. Like for some of you, it was just coming to church, right? That was it. That's all it took. Just, it's like just get in the car and suddenly, it just gets crazy. Maybe that's when parents are like, are we there yet, right? We're just tired of the journey, um, how many of you had dads that would yell things like don't make me pull the car over i had a dad like that i also had sisters who would like draw invisible lines on the seat like do not cross my space and so i would just be like you know i'm <laughs> egging it on you know and then like my sister pounds me and then my dad's like don't maybe and then he would just. you ever have a parent a dad that would just like reach behind and whatever he grabbed died do you remember that it doesn't happen anymore, right? It's not PC, but like that was how I was raised, right? I mean, like, if it was your face, your face was hitting the window. If it was your leg, you had a bruise, whatever it was. But when dad's hand came back, it was like this big, right? Just tired of the journey. And here's what I want you to understand. Listen, the journey can get tiring. I want, to hear you, I want you to hear me as your pastor tell you this, okay? Now, again, look around the room. I love our church. Just look around the room. Go ahead. Just take a peek you're going to get tired of these people. Can I just say that? You're going to get tired of these people. You know why? They're not like you. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is that people who aren't like one another actually learn how to love one another. And people that aren't like one another actually begin to look like Jesus. It's crazy that this is, This is God's plan. He moves us because he doesn't want us to settle, but he also moves us so he can begin to work into us things that we need. There's something about being in a car with your family that teaches you patience, right? It doesn't teach them to be perfect. That's what we're praying for. But it actually teaches us to have patience. So it's, it's this statement. It's natural to get tired of the journey, but the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural power on the journey couple of verses you can jot down. Acts eight. Acts 1.8 says that um, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. And he mentions like, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice that, um, now look, Pentecostal churches love Acts 1.8, right? That's like, we can have crazy church service verse, right? That's what they think. But what that verse is really all about is that he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we will then go out and be witnesses to who? Every nation, tribe, tongue, language. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's always pushing the church out. Always pushing the church out. Because his plan from way back in Genesis was to have the picture that we read in Revelation. And because we're so willing to settle, he's always pushing us out. So Acts 1.8 says the Spirit helps us move toward others. And then Galatians 5, through 23, I just jot it down. You can read that later. It's the list of the fruits of the Spirit. When I, when I saw that, I thought, the Spirit helps us move towards others, and then the Spirit helps us love others. You, you just can't be a jerk as a Christian. I mean, no, I know Christians who are jerks. But if you're really living according to the fruit of the Spirit, you will not find jerkdom in the list. You cannot be following Jesus full of the Holy Spirit and be a jerk. You can have bad days, but no one's going to go, oh, that Paul? Yeah, he's full of Jesus, man. I hate him. He's a jerk. It's not possible. Read the list. It's not in there. The more that we're full of the Holy Spirit, the more that we're going to move toward other people, and the more that we're going to love the people when we see them. This so is what happened with, with Abram when God painted that picture in Genesis chapter 12. The things that he wants to do in us only happen on the move. What I thought was interesting in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 is this. That God said to Abraham, does this sound familiar if you're a member of the gathering? He said, leave where you are and just start walking. But uh, God, like, where are we going? That way. I'll tell you when you're done. Could you give us a little hint, like maybe a map or something? Could you kind of help us out a little bit? Like, are we going to be in this space for two months or a year? It's like, how about just Move. How about leave where you are and just start to move? And the thing about Abram is, you know what he said to that? Okay. Now, you type A people are like, dude, he's an idiot. God bless that step of obedience. The picture we read in Revelation chapter 5, I know that it comes because of what Jesus did. But it started with a man named Abraham who said, all right, guys, pack it up. Uh, Dad, where are we going? Um, somewhere. Are we there yet? I don't know. Are we there yet? Nope. He said, keep going. I mean, his obedience is what opened the door. God used that. Man, the walk of faith can wear us down. Don't ever feel bad for that. Don't ever feel bad for waking up in the morning going, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of setting up and tearing down. Or just personally, I'm tired of this, this walk of faith with Jesus but here's what I want to encourage you to do use that feeling as a guardrail so when you wake up and you feel that way just kind of go huh something's missing and that's number 3 here's the third reason why kids ask are we there yet we've forgotten about the arrival at some point <laughs> at some point i can remember being a kid and you're just in the car and, and I can remember, I know this is crazy, you never thought this, but I can remember thinking to myself, especially when we would go from Albemarle to Knoxville, Tennessee, and this is before you could drive, like, what is the speed limit now, 85 or something through the mountains? Is that it? That's what I'm driving. Is that it? <laughs> can somebody call Officer Payne and ask, him, what is that? I think it's 70 maybe. I don't know what it is. I, I should stop talking. <laughs> Back when it took six hours to get from here here to, here to Knoxville, Now I think it takes like 4.5 or 4.45 or something like that. I mean, because the speed limits have changed. Um, But I can remember getting in the car and somewhere around Statesville, my little kid brain, I thought, I'm going to die in this car. I'm never going to get out. We're going to drive forever. We're never going to get there. You ever feel that way? Like, The mile marker says it's 123 miles to Knoxville. And then the next one says it's 128. And you're like, wait, Dad, whoa, why is it getting farther away, right? You're just like, I'm going to be in this car forever. This trip is never going to end. And it's at that point, remember the excited, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it turns into this, like, excruciating, are we there yet? Because we forget about the arrival we feel stuck. Let me just give you a bunch of verses, okay? They're on the screen. You can jot them down. I want you to know the, that God's very honest about this. The Bible's very honest about this. The Bible never says don't ask God questions. So all these verses that I'm going to give you, they all start with the same three words. Same two words, how long. It's kind of the Bible's version of are we there yet, okay? Habakkuk 1-2 says, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Listen. Psalm 35, 17, how long, Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from the the ravages and my precious life from these lions. Psalm 80, verse 4, how long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? Psalm 13, 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Listen, that's where we can get to as a church. We can start to feel stuck in the current place where we are, right? It's kind of cool today, you know. Give it about four weeks, and you'll be like, dude, when do we stop smelling grease, right? All I smell is grease from the, when are the lights going to be, when, when is it not going like, to, when is it going to be better? It's so easy to say, God, how long? And it's because we've forgotten about the arrival, right? It's so easy to do that just individually, kind of feeling stuck in a car, On a long journey with no end in sight. But I want you to know this. We will arrive. And back in Revelation. Told you I had a lot for you. Revelation chapter 21. The end of the Bible. This is the arrival that is waiting for us. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. I'm going to read it for you just so you can hear it. Here's what he wrote. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will, no more, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Anybody know who this is? This be Jesus. I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Man, listen, we're going to arrive. And what you know what I'm learning? I'm learning that the move prepares us for the arrival. That's crazy. The move prepares us for the arrival. Like the car you're in with your family and they're driving you nuts, it's preparing you for the arrival. This move that our church is on from there to here to there and from there to the nations that God wants to reach, that move is what's preparing us for that arrival that we just read about. And when we arrive, and all the pain of the, of the drive just kind of vanishes, doesn't it? You just pull up to Disney World and your dad pays hundred dollars to park the car, <laughs> and you you get your ticket or whatever. I've never been to Disney World. They stamp your hand. I don't know what they get in the cool Disney World. I don't know what you get, but you go in the park and like you just take off, and you ride all the rides. And pretty soon you're like, I don't even remember the ride anymore. That's what the arrivals like. Don't forget that we're going to arrive. Don't forget that we're going to arrive. So what do we do between where we've been and where we're going? How do we handle the are we there yet moments? Um, Let me say this. Here's how we do it. Two words, we remember. Um, This is what David did. Psalm 13, I'm going to read it to you real quick. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's just David in the car going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we ever going to get there? He said, look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. This is the kid going, Dad, look at me. I am dying in the back seat. I don't need a snack. I need to get there. I need to get out of this car. I don't know know where you are in your life right now, but that's some of you. My life is jacked up. I need to get out of this car. When am I going to finally get there? My enemy will say I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fail. And here's what David did in response to that. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. David understood this awesome principle. He understood this 1 Samuel seven twelve principle, this Ebenezer principle. There's a reason why they put mile markers along the interstate. It's so that people that are in their car driving don't forget where they are. It's so that people don't forget where they've come from and how long it will be until they get where they're going. Man, if you get stuck, if you're having these are we there yet moments, you need to start making some mile markers in your life. You need to have some memorials. You need to begin to remember that you're not where you were and you may not be where you're going, but you have gotten safely to where you are. And that's because of a good father who is moving us home. We're always on the move. Here's your big idea, because we're passing through. We're always on the move because we're passing through. And if, you're, um, if you don't like change, then you're not going to like that big idea, and I get it. Like that does, there's no room for settling in that, right? We're always on the move because we're passing through. Like, this world is not our home. We read it in Hebrews 13. Nothing in this world, nothing on this planet can ever be the destination. Our destination is eternity with God. Because of Christ, and if that's the case, we're always passing through. So, church, we're always on the move. Like even when we get to Kimbrels, and we walk in and go, this feels really permanent, but we're still on the move. Always on the move. As long as there are people in the city that don't know Jesus, we're always on the move. As long as there are people in the world that don't know Jesus, we're always on the move. So, here, here, today, I, you, we, we need to raise our Ebenezer, right? It's a weird phrase. Here I raise my Ebenezer. It's just, it's a stone, right? Like in that passage, it's a stone. And they just wrote the word Ebenezer. I don't know how many minutes it took to pick that stone up, but they just said, like, all I know is I'm not where I was, and I'm not quite where I'm going. But I do know this, at this point in my life, to this point, in this place, the Lord has brought me. He has led me here. And so, some of you, you're following Jesus and you're just in the car. And I don't mean it's disrespectful, but you're swiney kids. I can get that way too. Are we there? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like nothing's working, right? You're just like, ah, oh, I can't, ugh. Oh. And it's, in times like that, you might need to just stop and begin to remember what God's done in your life. You might just need to be, begin to remember what he spared you from along the way. A testimony that we read this morning from Paul. That's an Ebenezer moment for him. What's your Ebenezer? David said, he's been good to me. How has God been good to you? And, and here's how we'll close. This morning while we were in prayer, I was... Thinking through this message and just, you know, God, how do we want to close this out? And it's, you know, how do we grasp, really grasp this? And God said, well, you know, it's true that we asked the question, are we there yet? But maybe there's a better, better question to ask. And here's what it is. Is he still with us? <laughs> that might be a better question to ask, right? Like, it's one thing to be hurtling down the road at full, at full speed. And then you realize, like, Jesus isn't in the car. So instead of us asking, are we there yet, would it be better if we just simply asked, is he still with us? So much so that it, there's a verse in Exodus thirty-three fifteen where Moses said to God, if you don't go with us, don't send us. I mean, that's, you know, we, we talk about the presence of God all the time. That's why the presence matters. And this morning while I was praying, I just felt like God said this to me. He said, Paul, um... I know you're tired today, got a little bit of a head cold. This podcast is going to sound so amazing. They'll be like, what's wrong with Paul today, right? It's going to be great. But here's what I felt like God was saying to me. Like, no matter how long the journey is, no matter how many weird twists and turns there are in it, at the end of the day, can't you just simply say, I'm in the car with Jesus. I don't know how many Monsters, Inc. fans we have. We got any Monsters, Inc. fans in the house? I know all my illustrations are from kid movies, but this is not a kid movie. It's the best movie we've ever made. If you saw Monsters, Inc., do you remember the part where they opened up the magazine and Mike Wazowski, he's on the magazine, but the barcode's right over his face? Do you remember that? And Mike Wazowski's like, I can't believe it. And we're just like, we're like, God, they just messed that whole thing up. he goes, I'm on the cover of a magazine. I want to be able to say, no matter what's going on in my life, in our church's life, I want to be able to say, I can't believe it. I'm in a car with Jesus. Because that's really all that matters. And if I'm in a car with Jesus, man, I'm going to end up in that Revelation chapter 5, 9 and 10 picture. The car Jesus is driving me in is going to end up there. The car that he's driving you in, and we have a big car, big family van called The Gathering. He's driving all of us to that place. Huh, no matter where you go in the city. (laughs) It's fantastic. Huh. I'm in a car with Jesus. It's fantastic. Man, I want to pray that for you this morning. I want to pray that the Lord restores your joy. That, you know what, it can get wearisome to think that we're always on the move because we're passing through. Like, God, when do we just get to <sighs> settle? And he's like, there's a t- somebody... They were tired. They was like, but I know someday there's, there's time for me to sleep. And I was like, it's called eternity, right? That's, we just like hang out with Jesus and we don't need, we'll have bodies we don't get tired. But that's home. That's where we're going to. You know, it's not a pub. This is cool. It's not a furniture store. It's heaven. That's, that's the destination. And I don't ever want us to get tired of that journey. Ever. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you right now to begin to think about Ebenezer. Ebenezer. We're going to wrap it up this morning. Just you having some time with God to thank him for the places that he's brought you this far. And I can say this as a pastor of a church. I'm so thankful that God has brought us to this point. When I think about Revelation 5, I think about that picture of every tribe and every nation, every tongue. I'm so thankful that, that we're, we have representation in our church. And not because we're like trying to get people to come to have a certain quota. But just when you talk about the gospel, it just draws every man, every woman, every child. You don't have to try to be anything when you preach the gospel. Because he draws men to himself. And I'm so thankful that we have a church where... In community group, young and old can hang out in the same room together. That in the church, kids can hang out and worship with their parents. The Lord has brought us this far. This is our Ebenezer. (laughs) It's our Ebenezer. And I'm so thankful for it. What's yours? What's yours? Just for a moment, would you just whisper that to God? This is my Ebenezer, God. Here's what you've done in my life to this point. Here's where I see that you have brought me this far. And if you can bring me this far, I can trust you to take me home. All the way. So God, here this morning we raise our Ebenezer. Because to this point and to this place you have led us. No doubt about it. And that means that we can trust you to lead us farther. David said at the best, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to you, Lord, for you have been good to me. So, God, I pray for those in this room that are in the moment, in in, in these kind of are we there yet moments, and it's not excitement any longer. It's just flat out I'm tired and I've forgotten that that it's ever going to end. I pray that right now, just this morning, even just the reading of these scriptures, God, that you would just ignite passion in them again for the journey. And that you are doing something amazing in our lives. And we are honored to be a part of it. In just a minute, we're going to head out of here. And some of you may be here and you don't, you don't follow Jesus. You know, you, somebody brought you this morning and you never even thought about following Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to come. And as people are kind of heading out. I'm just going to hang out right here. I'd love to talk with you about that. I'd love to lead you to Christ. I'd love to start a journey with you to make sure that you're in the car with us headed to that beautiful picture in Revelation. I want you to be part of the every nation, every tribe, every tongue. God, we thank you for just your presence in this place. I know that... Um, Every one of us in this space this morning are going to get in our cars and we're all going to realize this. <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter where the car goes as long as you're in it. Because you were with us up the street and you have been here this morning. And you will continue to be with us, God. So help us in our hearts to, to leap with joy. We are in a car with Jesus. This is all that matters. We're in a car with Jesus. We thank you for that, God. In your precious name, Jesus, amen.